I love movies. A little bit of the bubbly. Gosh, I love movies. And here we go. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Grindhouse Podcast. We have a great show for you today. Uh, Matt is back in Austin, Texas, and he's cooked up something eerie and spooky for you guys. But as it is, I'm currently in Australia, in Brisbane, Australia, sitting next to me with Mistress Ophelia. Hey, how's it going? And we are here to announce the winners of the semifinals of our Tournament of Terror. So to recap, in the Dave bracket, we had Bram Stoker's Dracula, versus The Shining, or The Shining as some people might know it. Mr. Sophia, do you care to wager who might have won that contest? Well, I voted for Dracula. All right, well, unfortunately, we didn't get that. We got creepy mind-reading kids and frostbitten mazes. So Stephen King's The Shining won in the day bracket and will be advancing to the finals in our Tournament of Terror. And in the map bracket, we had an American werewolf in London versus... Hometown favorite, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Any guesses as to who's the winner? Texas Chainsaw, for, so, for sure. And you are 100% correct on that. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, by a huge margin, destroyed American Werewolf in London. And we'll be advancing. So we have two heavyweights in horror. We have The Shining, sort of an artier, uh, Stanley Kubrick, dark tale from the master of horror himself, Stephen King. Versus a grittier, rural, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, blood, guts, and gore, although not as much as you remember. Facing off next week, remember to vote every day. I post on our Instagram. I post on our Facebook. You can go find me on Twitter. You can go to my personal Instagram. Vote as often and as much as you want. We have five more days until we determine which movie is the greatest horror movie of all time. So before we kick it back to Matt, I want to talk a little bit about what we're doing here down under. We went to a pretty cool event last night at Movie Land here in Brisbane. Um, they have a, a special sort of horror night called Fright Night. You're laughing. Did I get it wrong again? It's movie World. Movie World. So it's kind of like the Warner Brother version of Disney, right? Right. Yeah, right. So we had like, you know, there's Gotham City you can walk through and there was... Creepy mazes like the It maze and uh, Zombieland double tap maze. And uh, I think for me, the scariest thing was the, the eerie techno music that was playing the, while we waited for hours in line to go through these mazes. That was always by far the most terrifying thing about the whole evening. It was just a, it was just a whole night mixture of creepy people walking around in masks and weird techno being played along with the occasional odd new metal song that come on because apparently brisbane is where new metal goes to die we used to think it was corpus christi but they've it's traveled to the other hemisphere and apparently it's still kind of a thing here so that was our night it was a fun creepy night um and i think that uh you know for those of you who are maybe traveling during this halloween season and you find yourself in australia and you're looking for something scary to do can't recommend enough going to movie world the hollywood of brisbane Do not be afraid. It's another Grindhouse solo show. Dave's not here. He's in another country, uh, Australia this time, I believe. It's just me and you, our listening audience. And we're going to get through this. What's today's show going to be about? I don't know. 
but I think we're going to make it to the end safely, and I think we're going to have fun. I think we're going to have fun. First, let's turn these drums off. Let's see, there's a, there's a key on the keyboard somewhere. It, what the, how's everybody doing tonight? Tonight, on, on your way to work on Monday morning or Tuesday, I don't know, whenever this show comes out. It, it, it's, uh, we try to keep it a Monday morning thing, but uh, maybe this week it's, it might be a little late. So if you're listening to this on Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, we apologize for the delay. Things are just a little crazy this week uh, with uh, two of us in different countries. There's oceans between us. Uh, usually it's just um, uh, you know a handful of uh, United States are between us with him over there and uh, wherever he is and me over here where I am. But uh, but but this time no no they're they're in Australia. Um, he's there visiting uh, Ophelia, uh, Mistress Ophelia. Um, we have a mistress now. Uh, we really are becoming like a horror show, aren't we? Like a uh, I mean, growing up, we had that Mistress Elvira. Uh, she's, I guess she's still around. Um, she's great. But uh, yeah, so we've got our own mistress now. We're getting very fancy. Uh, but but Mistress Ophelia and Dave are away in Australia. And they're um, going to weddings. And what what was that? Uh, some horror festival, he said. That was, that was nice to hear his voice, too. Even though he can't make it, just to get a little whatever that was from him. Uh, so... Today is just me. Matt is my name, and I'm your host uh, alone. Uh, usually, it's a two two man thing. If you've never heard the show before, uh, but um, it, this is kind of a well, I guess it's kind of a two man thing. He recorded that bit earlier, but um, it's uh, it's it's going to be me, and uh, I've got uh, a few things we're going to go through. Some segments on today's show. Um, I'm going to try to keep the uh, the spirit alive uh, here from Texas while I. Um, don't have my, my wingman and I'm just kind of flying blind. Uh, however many flight pilot analogies I can throw at you that frat boys also use in bars when they're picking up sorority girls in bars at our parties. Ooh, solo shows are difficult, especially when you're used to doing a two man show. We just work much better as a duo. Though that's not to say this is going to be a bad show. Don't, don't get me wrong. Don't turn it off. Just realize that there is going to be a bit of bumbling and, and clumsiness as I adjust here as we get into the show. I guess we are a few minutes in now, and you, what we had that intro with Dave, uh, with Tournament of Terror, all that stuff. So right about this time, so we must be, oh, we must be about 10 minutes into the show now. So uh, this is usually the time when it's, we start introducing, or by now, we've usually introduced a topic for today's show. Uh, if it has a topic, we've had a few that don't. But but anyway, this one does. It actually does. It's uh, I've got this idea. We we did the show a while back that was like uh, our friend Jude S. Walco came on the show. Uh, S. Walco is not. It's S. Period Walco. I just realized that S. Walco sounds like a really cool name. But uh, that's not his name. His name's Jude Walco with an S between the two names. He was on the show with Dave, right? That's what I'm trying to say. And they did a, an episode called So You Want to Be a Filmmaker, in which they gave some tips to aspiring filmmakers on how they might be able to crack into that industry and get some of their own creative ideas out there. And I thought, you know, I've got a little bit of insight that I can share. Now, this is not going to be how tips on how to become a professional artist or uh how to make it in this crazy game, anything like that. But um, I thought that I might actually be able to tell 
you guys a, a few tips on just how to uh, get started in the art industry as it is, as it were, a professional art world. If you want to, you know, if you want to play ball and participate in that professional art world, I've, I've got some, uh, I've got, I've got some stuff I've outlined here today that I can share with you on that things I've learned on my journey and uh, things that might help you on yours. And uh, so I, I thought, Hey, why not? Let's, let's give it a go and let's see what we can come up with. Maybe, maybe you'll hear something that uh, helps you uh, or maybe you'll just think I, I can't wait until they're both on the show again uh, because that's really the format that this show is supposed to be. And w- why is Matt even recording today? But you might not think that you might not uh, don't turn it off one more time, please don't, don't turn it off yet. Just give me a little while to, we'll see what happens. But, um, so I, I guess I've arranged this in a sort of a list. Uh, I don't, I don't think I'd call it like rules for a professional artist or, or, um, you know, top 10 ways to, uh, top 10 advice. It's, it's not advice. It's, uh, it's not rules either. Cause some of these are just things that you need to know. Um, so, and I don't, I don't even think I have 10 of them. Uh, but, uh, this is a sort of a, we'll, we'll just call this aspects of working in art. Yeah, that's, that works. Uh, okay. Well, anyway, let me get, I guess I should get started. I guess I should start telling you what I've got, uh, in this outline here. But, um, so the number one rule. Okay. This is a rule. Actually, this is, this is important and this matters. Uh, I, you're gonna, okay. If you're going to be working, living on planet earth uh, in this country, probably, or or whatever country you're in, in the developed world, in most places, you're going to need a job. That's a given, but I'm going to say this. If you want to be a, uh, an artist, if you want to work in art, if you want to whatever you want to do. If you want a creative job, there we go. You have to work in your industry. Uh, think of like those, you know, those, uh, those old fashioned movies where the guys like I started in the mail room at this office building and now I'm the CEO. I worked my way up to the top. Art's kind of like that. Creative, creative industries are kind of like that too. Uh, you know, you got to start somewhere, but, um, it's, it's not just like, uh, you know, you, you, like I, most folks, what they would see that as is uh, make art when you get out of work and uh, put the, you know, submit it to shows or, um, you know, get your band some gigs. And I'm going to say, don't have that work part be separate. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. There are enough jobs in creative work, low paying jobs, guys. I mean, that's, but we'll get to that later, but there are enough of those jobs but you, you do need to do that. You need to work in your field. You need to find something. If it's, if it's music, um, try, try to find some way to work in music. Uh, maybe you can help, help somebody run sound. Uh, it'd be a roadie even. I mean, just anything. Uh, cause you know, one day you're a roadie next year, maybe you're a guitar tech, you know, and guitar techs make good money, or maybe you're just doing sound at a club, and then uh, maybe you're a DJ after a while. You never know. But it's but it's that idea. Uh, it's you know maybe you're just working at a frame store, and you know five years later you're a curator in a gallery. 
you know, it's, it's about, you've got to stay in the industry you want to work in. Uh, because if you're going to work 40 hours a day, 40 hours a day, uh, 40 hours a week, and you're, uh, you're going to the, you know, the bookshop or, or, um, waiting tables or something, it's, 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 there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. But if that's not, if that's not the goal you're trying to get to, if you, if you're not working toward a working at a creative thing, even though you're making more money probably with those, with the bookshop or waiting tables and you're living a more comfortable life and you may even have more free time, you know, to make art when you get home because you're, you know, you might not have to work 40 hours because the restaurant pays really well or the bar pays really well. But, but the thing is, that's a lot of hours in the week that you're not learning about the thing that you want to be a part of. Does that make sense? You've got a, I don't know who I'm asking there. You're just nod your heads. If it makes sense, I'll know, but you've got a You've got, you've got to keep gathering skills and experiences and mentors and all of this. And th- these are things you can't get if you're not in the right environment. And that's what it's really about. You know, if you want to, if you want to live in, in, in this world, you've got to, you've got to be in it. You can't just come visit it a few times a week when you have creative spurts. It's got to be all day. You've got to be there. So if that, even if that means getting a job in the industry you want to be in that pays half as much as you could make outside of it, you've got to do that because it won't always be that way too. You know, you've got to work toward things. Everybody's got to pay their dues, they say, right? And and that's the thing too. Uh, I guess, well, you probably got the point of that last one. So we'll so we'll move forward. That, that, that leads me into uh, the next one, that the paying the dues thing is don't get bitter. That's, that's really important. That, that's really like... You're going to, in this, in this world, working in these industries, especially if you take that first bit of advice I just gave you, you're going to see people who are having a much easier time than you. They're going to be moving up faster. They're going to be able to take more risks. They're not going to have to work as much. They're going to have amazing vacations, traveling all over the world. They're going to have the best clothes. They're going to get noticed. They're going to do a lot of things that you're not able to do because you might not have the same opportunities they have, or you might be one of those people. And so, but, but there's always going to be someone that has it easier than you is my point. And if you're looking at those people and you're saying, look how easy that guy's got it. His, you know, his uncle owns a gallery and his parents are very artistic people. And, you know, I'm having to work all the time. And, you know, if you, if you're looking at these people and you're having resentment because they're having an easier way than you, your um, that bitterness is going to affect the way you see your 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 work and your creativity, and it's a, it's a stress that's it's a burden you're going to have to bear. Use it, appreciate it, appreciate the extra work you have to put in. You know, make that part of your story. We all we all tell a story about ourselves, right? We all have that that, that story of our lives in our mind. And, and we like that to be a good story. You know, we like to be something that if it was a f- book or a film and you were watching it, you'd feel like, yeah, this is a good, good character. Well-written, good guy. I like him. I identify. And you, you may notice that usually in those films, the, uh, well, the guy that has all the things given to him and it has it easy usually is written as the villain. So 
even if <laughs> that's not quite the case in real life, uh, just remember that, 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 that the extra work you put in, it, it just makes the story of your life that much richer. It makes the things that you earn that much more valuable uh, to you. And, um, and, and don't resent these people either. That's, that's also very important because that's part of that bitterness thing I'm saying. Because even, even people who are, you know, they talk about like trustafarians, you know, trust fund kids and uh, wealthy kids who get things handed to them, you know, people who don't have to worry about taking risks because they've always got a safety net. You know, even those people, they, though they w- often will succeed in art and they will go places, they, even they eventually grow up and, re, you know, become philanthropists and, and, um, and, and sometimes very, you know, very good, very talented artists. There's, a, there's uh, growing up, I, I won't name names, but, um, you know, all the punk stuff we used to listen to, uh, when you, you know, you get be around long enough, you start finding out that even some of these famous uh, punk rock influences you had were guys that went to private schools and, and, and grew up with, you know, very wealthy parents. And, and, uh, th- I don't think that the uh, art that they contribute is, is worth, uh, any, any, any less worthwhile than what came from the, you know, seedy underbellies that, that rose up, you know, uh, recently I read the Beastie Boys book and, and, um, they were talking about, uh, their upbringings. And it turns out that all three of them were, were pretty well off, pretty affluent kids with, artists for parents and uh well i can't help but feel that that makes the uh the journey just a, just a little easier than what other people have maybe what some of the other hip-hop artists of the time were were experiencing but um looking back on it they, they still contributed some really cool stuff to the genre and and uh they and they were aware they didn't deny it they they paid their dues in other ways you know all that stuff with the tibetan freedom concert that's what i'm talking about stuff like that like adam yelk grew up and started Tibetan freedom concert. And so, so if, so imagine knowing the beastie boys early on, if you were resentful toward them and well, you might regret it later because that's what I'm saying. So anyway, the point is don't let that bitterness get in because people will have it easier than you. You will have it difficult. You might not, you might be one of the people who has it easy. I don't know who's listening to this, but, um, even if you're the guy that's, you know, struggling the hardest and having the worst time, uh, there's value in that. And that brings us to my, my, my next uh, point is, um, learn to love your, uh, your misery. <laughs> this is wow. Uh, but yeah, uh, things are going to get rough if you're going to really commit to this. Um, I mean, I, I remember, God, it was like, Oh, many, many years ago. I won't say how many because I don't. Well, he talks about his age on the show enough. But Dave, when we were younger and he was just starting to work in film, I mean, the guy was practically a volunteer. It was crazy. He was he would just do everything he could to just to just be there, be a part of it, be in that scene and uh, get to know people and, and show his worth, you know, that that it's that he's someone you want to have on set. He's someone that understands the nature of this and that it really is work and it really is a job. And, and I think he, God, he did so much in those days and made nothing for it <laughs> just so he could be a part of it. And now he's doing, now he is a part of it. Now he, now he, he's, it's his job and it's what he does and he's doing great. 
and uh, and we've all been there. Uh, I myself have um, worked for different art studios throughout the years, uh, and I and I just say yes to not every art job I get offered, but but most of them. I just you say yeah, I've never done that before. I don't know what that's like. I can see <laughs> that you're a difficult client, but hey, let's go for it. I say yes. Let's take that job and let's learn something. And um, that's that's the, but the, but the point is. Uh, before you get there, before you're actually doing it, you're struggling, man. Like you're, you're struggling. You're in the dirt. You're in the mud. I mean, it's, it's tough. And that's the time that you, you've got to figure out how to enjoy that. You've got to be like a, you know, like a Marine or something, you know, some guy that's like sleeping in the mud for three days because his mission is, you know, whatever he's got to do, we won't have an opportunity to do it because the enemies, you know, they're they're still if he doesn't get there three days before, they'll find him. You know, I I don't know much about covert military operations, but I do understand that uh, the best guys are the guys that love that kind of stuff. You know that. Uh, and that's that's what you've got to be as an artist if you want to really really work in art you've got to you got to find a way to laugh at your struggles you know i i'm about to get a little weird and explain something that i do in the morning part of my morning ritual i'm i'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit but uh every morning when i wake up i i i take my morning shower i get in that shower and i um I've got one of those, it's like three faucets, uh, three, three little, uh, knobs, you know, that I turn and the middle one turns on the shower. So what I do, the right one turns on the cold water. So what I do is I, I turn that shower one up all the way. Right. So without even the water open yet. And then I, I just hit the cold water and I'm in this vulnerable position where I'm, I, I'm right underneath the shower head and that as soon as that water comes through and I, and I'm turning the water on so I can't get away before it hits me. And it, what it does is it ensures that the coldest water in the house, uh, you know, just showers me as like when I'm just barely awake. And it's, uh, the, the idea is, um, if I do that, uh, well, it wakes me up obviously. Uh, but, but more, more importantly, it teaches me, uh, daily to, uh, you know, that's, that's, I mean, that's my shower. I, I, everybody likes taking a shower. It's nice, you know, but that's my only shower. So it's that teach. Well, it's not always my, I mean, I go go to the gym or work out or whatever, and I have to take a shower or get some stuff on me at work. And anyway, it teaches me to, if I, if I want to enjoy showers, I have to learn to enjoy cold showers because I need that wake up in the morning. I need that jolt. And if I want to get it, I have to make something, you know, I have to make myself enjoy it. And that's, that's the point I'm trying to make is there are benefits, things on the, you know, goals that you're going to have to just go headlong into and, and struggle for that are very hard to achieve. And if you can't learn to enjoy that struggle, uh, you're, you're probably gonna, you'll probably give up before you get it. Of course, there's nothing wrong with giving up. I'm not going to say don't give up because maybe you're you're hearing all this and you're saying, you know what, I, I don't want to have a my 20s and 30s possibly just be this miserable struggle that while well, all my friends go travel the world and 
start families and I'm just working, working, working because I know something will be better someday in the future. I, I get that, you know, uh, it's not for everybody and there's nothing wrong with giving up and going and getting a, a normal job, but, uh, you don't have to work a normal job is what I'm trying to say. And if you don't want to don't, uh, but, uh, but speaking of giving up, uh, there is a way to give up before you've even really started, but never feel like you've given up. And you've got to be aware of that. It's, uh, that, that's something that a lot of, um, artists, you can't see it. I'm doing little air quotes right now are, uh, are, are actually in they've, they've given up and they don't call it that. And they're not actually aware of that because what they, they're, they're the guys that are going, Oh, I'm not making art right now. And I'm not working in art right now because I don't have this or I haven't finished this. Uh, like, um, maybe I'm, you know, I'm, I'm working at a coffee shop and I'm a songwriter and I haven't written a song all year because I don't have a band or maybe I'm a filmmaker, but, uh, I'm saving up right now at my job at the, toy store because uh i need a better camera before i can make the film i want to make well you know maybe and maybe maybe small chance but maybe that's what you're actually doing and that's going to happen or maybe that's gone on for three or four years now and you just keep saying when i get that thing um, uh, that'll that'll get me creative again and then i'll do it you know uh oh i don't want to get started on a whole new series of sculptures because uh, you know, the wife and I are going to be moving in five months and that'll just be a lot of stuff I have to move. So I'm going to wait until we get to the new house to, to do my creativity then, you know, or, um, I, there's a thousand reasons and there's actually a name for this. It's called the, the toolbox fallacy or something like that. It's, it's, but it's a, it's that idea that you, um, you don't have the appropriate tools right now. So you're, you're not doing the creative thing you're supposed to do. And I'm going to tell you, you obviously uh, tools matter, things like that matter, but whatever you have, whatever you can work with, you, you can come up with something. Uh, you know, I, I've got sculptures that are made out of bronze and I've got sculptures that are made out of paper because it's just all about what opportunity I had to work with at that moment. And that's, that's what matters is that you're, you're, you gotta keep creating no matter what. So don't, don't let yourself get stuck in the toolbox fallacy saying, uh, there's some reason I'm not creating right now, but sometime in the unforeseeable future, that reason will be removed. And then I'll start creating because it's, it's really, uh, that's really not actually what's going on. If you're telling yourself that there's some psychological things going on with you that are, preventing you from creating, uh, maybe it's fear of failure. If you're success, even who, who knows, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm that I can't help you with, but I, but I can tell you that if you're the kind of guy or, or gal that's making, uh, excuses for why you're not being creative right now. And there, there's some kind of conditional thing like that. Uh, cause you know, e- even if you're, Oh God, even if you're sick in bed, you can get a pen and paper and write down ideas. There's always something you can do. You know, if you, if you really have something limiting you from whatever your, your, your talent at fil- filmmaking or, or songwriting or s- painting, whatever it is, there is so much 
uh, planning work you can do, uh, you know, brainstorming you can do. Don't don't act like there's not because eventually, you know, if there really is some some barrier keeping you from getting to that, well, you better be doing the all, all that all that other preliminary work that you can get out of the way. So there's always something you can be doing that's creative and part of your, uh, your, your, your field or your focus or whatever. So, so don't let yourself get tied down with that. Don't, don't be a slave to the toolbox fallacy. So speaking of tools, see, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to do like a little segue thing, like keep seg- Yeah. I'm trying to keep these things kind of linked together. So, uh, toolbox fallacy into tools, uh, tools are, like I said earlier, they're very important. And, and that's something else that can slow you down, um, as you move forward as an artist, as, uh, through your career. Uh, and I'm not, I, cause I, cause we are not just talking about solo gallery artists. We're not talking about professional songwriters. We are, uh, what I'm trying to point out today is that there's a whole industry of various creative jobs that are all needed in whatever fields you want to work in. And it's up to you to get yourself in that industry and, and find those jobs. But even if you're not the number one creator, even if you're not the boss, you're going to need your own tools. You're going to need some things, you know, if you're a musician, you're going to need your instruments, uh, you know, photographers need their own lighting and cameras and all that kind of stuff. So, and what I'm getting at with this one is put, you know, it's, it's like, uh, they say with business owners, which, which I guess as a lot of, a lot of artists are, uh, is put, put your money back into your business. It's the same thing. Uh, if you are starting to have successes, set aside a certain amount of, uh, you know, the money you make from working in art to start getting your own tools. You know, maybe you're not the boss, maybe you're not the guy that owns the business, but you, uh, can, you know, uh, get your own, designing software or your own music software back home and, and start learning on, on your own. Right. So, uh, you, are gonna need your own tools. And as you move forward, as you progress, as you get more successful, upgrade those tools, whatever it is, whatever you're working with, keep them and keep them clean, man. Keep your tools dust free, clean, polished, tuned, waxed, <laughs> sanded, whatever <laughs> dent free, shining, organized, all of that stuff, man, because it, I know it seems a little stuffy, a little uptight at first, but when you really get down to it, you don't want any barriers between you and your creativity. So if your tools are in disarray and out of order, unorganized, where you can't find the thing you need, whatever it is, uh, you, you know, where, oh, where's that cable? Where's that MIDI cable? Where's that instrument cable? You know, has anybody seen the, uh, the, the remote for this or just whatever it is, if you can't find stuff, if you're having, if things aren't linked correctly or things aren't working correctly, those are barriers between your idea and your final product, you know, or final creation. And you got to reduce those as much as you can keep things in order, keep things where you need them. And you'll find that, uh, your, your, um, your creative routines, you know, like the routines you get into the, the, the ways you get your ideas out will come much easier. They'll flow much better. They'll be a lot more fun because when it was time to lay that song down or paint that 
image, that, that idea you had, uh, everything was tuned, cleaned, and ready to go, and there was nothing stopping you from getting to work. Uh, and so uh, yeah, that's that's the main point of that. It, it might, like I said, it might sound a little like uh, it doesn't sound like a kind of the kind of creative person I see myself as, and and that's something that will come. You know, I I had a uh, a jewelry uh, teacher once that. Um, Oh God, she was brutal. It was like uh, every day at the end of her class, we were, you know, polishing up the tools, oiling everything, putting everything back together. I mean, there was no like, oh, I'm still working on this project. I'm going to leave it out. None of that. That, that didn't fly with her. So, uh, and, and but it made it where that place ran like a machine. It was perfect, and uh, I learned a lot. So, um, you know, do do just do your best to keep things in order, and you, you will uh appreciate it as you as you move on and as far as appreciation uh that's uh that leads us into our next point which is appreciate the value of your work ah, that doesn't come out right that sounds really really generic doesn't it uh what, what i'm trying to say is you're worth it art's expensive like really expensive it's like the most expensive thing uh, right, like did what they just had a uh, Da Vinci sold for like four hundred million something. So art's very expensive, you see. And if you are one of those people that goes around uh, only charging what you yourself think you would pay, you're never gonna make it because that we we well we're we're in this uh, kind of factory built society. You know what I'm saying? We we have everything's kind of. What we're used to, the prices we're used to seeing in stores do not reflect uh, the kind of craftsmanship and um, effort that goes into making the art that you're going to make. The acquisitions of raw materials, uh, the, the buying of tools, the advertisement, whatever it, whatever it is, all of the stuff you're going to be putting in before you even get started working is very expensive to begin with. Then you still need to charge enough to be able to pay rent, buy clothes, life expenses. Yeah, I don't need to go through that list, but you get the point. And what 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 you're going to find is when you're done and you look at this work of art you've made and you've you put a price tag on it that reflects all that, you're going to have people in your family, people you know, uh, friends of yours are going to scoff at you and be like, who would pay that? Why would they pay that? And they may be right. Maybe you need a better idea. Maybe you didn't make good enough art to get the money that it's worth, but you still have to price it for what it costs. You can't just operate a business, which it's in this, in this form of creativity we're talking about it, that there are, I don't want to say it's a business, you know, cause that that's come on. It's, it's, we, we all know it's more than that, but, but, it, but in this form that we're in this context, you can't operate a business on a loss, right? Uh, I mean, maybe those people we talked about earlier that, you know, have that safety net. The, the rich kids can, okay? They can, they can do that. They can get away with it for years and keep warming their way. Oh, I shouldn't say that. Now there's that bitterness I just warned against. Okay. But you, yeah. The, but yeah, obviously there are people who can operate on a loss. They have a safety net. They have trust funds. They have, you know, financial backing that will never run out because it's someone loves them and is supporting them. And uh, yeah, they'll be able to take risks and, and move their way up and, and eventually just probably just become so such a regular fixture in the art world that they just 
are there now. And uh, they'll, they'll, that, that's going to happen. But you can't do that. You have to make money, right? So value your ideas, realize your worth, what you're putting in, plus what it takes to make a living, and ask for it. And if it doesn't work, and you don't get that money, learn from that. Now, I'm not saying to play to your market and only create to your market. That's not the thing. I mean, and you really don't need to do that. It's a huge world and we have the internet. We're all connected. You're not that weird. Someone out there wants what you do. Just start to learn the value of it. You know, if you if you start out and everything you make is, you know, if you're a sculptor and you start out and everything you make is a bronze sculpture, you're making really expensive artwork. And you you might not, your ideas might not be right for that medium. You know, you might be a t-shirt guy for a while, but that might be really fun and you might get really famous and happy making t-shirts. So you never know. You may be a uh, full motion, you know, full length filmmaker. You may make music videos or you may make, you know, there's people who have gotten really expressive on apps with like 10 second video clips, <laughs> you know, uh, hell, I think there's even people who've gotten rich uh, with Twitter now. And that's what's that. Um, oh, God, I don't know. I don't use Twitter. Uh, I shouldn't even have a podcast. I'm kind of a Luddite. I'm not a Luddite, but I am. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, anybody like that? It's kind of like uh, really good at uh, computers and digital design and owns all kinds of devices and, uh, you know, just really techie, but just terrible with social media. That's, that's me. I'm that guy. Uh, so there's probably a whole list of things I'm leaving off of this, uh, uh, whatever this is, what did I say? Aspects of (laughs) the art industry or something. There's probably a whole list of things having to do with social media and how to promote yourself on that these days. And I'm sure that's very important. Uh, but, uh, you're not going to learn that on the Grindhouse podcast, unfortunately. I'm sorry. If, you, if you've been listening to this point, hoping that was coming, yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, I have like 800 followers on Instagram. Pretty proud of that. But I also am not that proud of it because I know that it was from me just obsessively uh, liking anyone that had a Tom Waits post or David Bowie post. And uh, <laughs> that somehow that that got me followers. So, uh, cool. But, uh, yeah, but I also, uh, I also realized that in the, in the social media world, uh, for, for real people who know what it's all about, that's 800. like nothing. Uh, so whatever. Yeah. Like I said, this isn't the place for that, but, uh, I will get around. I, I, huh, I can't really think of any, I don't know how much more of these I have, but, um, there's a final one I wanted to say because I, I kind of dipped into a second there uh, a second ago. I kind of dipped into like that playing to the market uh, idea when I was saying, you know, if your art's not selling at the price, maybe make some different art that people want. Uh, and that's, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It's, but, but don't pander because pandering is dishonest. And that leads me to my final point, which is stay honest. I can't stress this enough. There's, you've got to hang on to yourself, man. Like David Bowie told us, if you pander, if you go, Oh, what's selling out there? Let me make what's selling. If you have someone come to you and say, I want to hire you to, to make this, but it's something you don't believe in. Oh, but the money's good. And you do it. 
you know, if if you keep making decisions like that, then it doesn't matter that you got that job you wanted. It, it won't matter because you you've got a normal job because that's what that's what they all do. That's what that's what goes on in the world. Everybody's out there working those jobs. They don't want to work going, oh, it's Monday and, and dreading going to work and, and not having fun and, and uh, really just not, you know, they, they don't come home from work with stories to tell about the cool stuff they got into. They're not excited about their work. And, and I will warn you that uh, being that guy that's excited about his work and like telling people about the jobs he's he's been working on lately and showing them pictures on his phone of cool stuff he made recently, that guy sucks at parties and people avoid him. I know. Just, just, I know, but, um, but Hey, that guy's having a lot of fun. And so that's what I'm saying. If you, if you want to be creative, man, stay honest, do your thing. And if people happen to say to you, Hey, I really like that thing you did. Could you do more of it? Absolutely. Do that. That's uh, Pete Townsend of the who I heard him say that once when he wrote the song substitute, uh, he, song became a hit. He loved the song. He loved performing it. He was a real true expression of himself. But when he heard the British public tell him, Hey, we'd like more of that. All he had to say was okay. And see, that's what, that's what you got to do. You got to stay honest and you got to stay true to your style of art. The things you like, don't obsess about it. Don't worry. What is my style? Oh, what should I do? Just have fun and, and make your own thing. But, but don't start looking around, try, don't make your thing being trying to chase what you think people want. Just put it out there. If people like it and you enjoy doing it, put more of it out there. Because if you're not having fun, fun with this, you're going to struggle even more. You're, you're, the struggle never stops if you don't have fun with it. If you, if you, if you aren't doing things you're interested in, it's just you're not going to have the drive to get to that level because I'm going to tell you something. This is a really ugly side of this, but it's a very competitive world. The creative world is extremely competitive and you've got to get to a level where you stand out, where you matter if you really want this to be the thing you do forever. And so if you don't have the joy in it, if you don't have the passion because you've spent so many stressful hours trying to figure out what people want and pandering to people and trying to get into a certain scene or whatever it is, uh, you're, you're gonna do mediocre art. Like that's what the Christians do. You know, I, I'm sorry that, whoa, that was kind of a detour, but have you ever heard Christian rock music? You know what I'm talking about? Or just any Christian rap music. That's a thing too. I would say Christian country music, but I kind of feel like all country is already that these days. But, uh, but yeah, like it doesn't sound the same, does it? There's something weird about it. There's something like, uh, it's like off-putting. It's like, why, why does it sound like someone, like whoever wrote this had a list of rules they had to stay inside of, you know, it's, it's that because they're pandering and it's not honest. It's not a real expression of joy and creativity and love for music. It's something that someone made to try to, you know, it's propaganda or what, it's just whatever, you know, but it's not, it's not the, the same kind of true inspiration, you know, that, that comes with, I mean, some of it is, uh, there's some, I mean, there's some blues songs. Anyway, we are generalizing, but that's okay for this, for this, uh, this example. But uh, yeah, but don't do that. Don't don't tell lies with your art, and don't 
pretend to be something you're not because you think people want to pay you for it, take it seriously and enjoy yourself, you know, do what you wanted to do when you started. Don't forget why you got into it. If you do that, you're never going to quit and you're going to have a great time and you're going to have a great life and you will, you won't have to work a normal job. Uh, and I, that's, that's about all I could think of in this, uh, this hour we have here today. Um, but I, I do believe that, uh, those, those should be some helpful tips to make sure you can at least, at least ride that ride as long as you want. You can be a part of the art world. You can have an art related job. Uh, you can, you know, and, and, and you may never make it as you may never be the, the big boss artist, but you'll have your moments. I promise you that. Even if you don't become a huge success in the field you wanted, you will have some shining moments that really mean a lot to you. And the moments in between won't be so bad either. So give it a try. Get out there. Stay honest. Have, what is it? Okay. Uh, I can't even remember what I was, what I told you today. Uh, stay honest. Have some good tools. Uh, don't pander. That's, well, that's kind of the same one. Um, don't, don't work a normal job. Uh, work, work in your field, even if it's starting at the bottom, you know, get some roommates, shop at thrift stores, keep the like AC low, whatever you got to do to keep prices down while you work in that entry level thing. You, but it does get better and it will get better. Work with the tools you have. Don't let yourself get caught by the toolbox fallacy saying, I can't make art right now, or I can't be creative right now because I don't have the right tools. You've got something, you know, take a rusty nail and scratch it into a plank of wood until it's gorgeous. Whatever you've got, man, just make something with that. You can do that. Upgrade your tools when you get the chance and keep your tools clean, whatever they are. And I sure there was some other ones in there, but it's, it's getting a little late. Uh, I kind of put off recording this thing until late at night and I've got work in the morning and it's been a long day. So I can't quite remember, uh, what all I told you today, but I hope it helped. And so, uh, that's, that's that, that's the, uh, 10 or so aspects of creative life that I wanted to share with you tonight, today, whatever time it is when this show airs on your streaming service. Uh, so moving forward, uh, I've got a, uh, review of, uh, uh, recent American horror stories, American horror story picture shows, uh, whatever. The show's not that good. Uh, two tusks. I don't, I don't know. Either way, uh, I know this is getting kind of sloppy and bad at this point, but uh, Dave agreed that because he only recorded five minutes worth of content and sent it to me from Australia that uh, he doesn't get to edit any of this out. So I've got that going for me today. Um, This is Matt Raw, Matt Uncensored. Not that he edits a lot of what I say out, but, uh, you know, another peek behind the curtain. Um, I do share some weird stories sometimes that don't quite make it to air. So <laughs> maybe one day we'll put a little little B-side compilation together for you. I don't know. Questions from Nicolette. Uh, Dave, what is your favorite scary movie clown? Scary movie clown. 
So Matt, I'll I'll answer on my end, and then you can answer on your end. So you know, this has been the season of scary clowns, has it not? It's we have a obviously it chapter two came out, and um, Joker is scaring quite a few people. I think there was another clown. Wasn't there another clown movie that came out recently? Is that something I'm not thinking about? Clowns are very popular right now. And uh, so thinking about which clowns are scariest or which one is my favorite, I'm going to have to defer to uh, Killer Clowns from Out of Space. I had the, had the pleasure of working with the, the creators of Killer Clowns, the Kyoto Brothers, a few years back. And there's just something kind of cool about the effects. You know, we talk often about our love of practical effects and how, you know, using real prosthetics and makeup and just makes all the difference in the world and i think in in stark comparison to a movie like say chapter it it chapter two leaning on an older classic that really utilized the skill and the craftsmanship of the kyotos to create these really oddball eerie but but scary clown figures um to me has always been really memorable and something that i really loved um mistress ophelia we we always ask you to ask the question but perhaps you may want to weigh in yourself. Are there any clowns from movies that you find particularly scary? I think the most scary clown from TV of all time uh, would have to be Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I can't think of a scarier clown. So, Matt, with that note, we kick it to you. Have a great show. I hope everyone enjoys. And I will be back Monday when this is released and back with Matt to record another great episode of the Grindhouse Podcast. See you guys. Have a great day. Anyway, at this point, I'm not quite sure how I should progress. I know there's a, a questions from the crypt, a question, a single question from the crypt, something about clowns. Uh, so I'll, I'll make a little pause here, and then I'll answer the question. So, so this is the pause. All right. My, my favorite scary movie clown is uh, probably also the killer clowns from outer space. So that's, and, and, and Dave really covered why they're so great. Uh, I mean, but those, those, that makeup job really impressed me as a kid. That is the coolest masks that they wear. Those, those clowns were freaky looking, but uh, m- more importantly, I'd like to express how cool I think it is that Dave called it killer clowns from out of space. That sounds almost like a, like a fifties, like the beast from out of, sp- I don't know where I've heard out of space. It just sounds, it sounds like something, um, that, uh, like, uh, before we really, when we kind of just learned space was a thing, you know, someone might say, Oh, would we ever go to out of space? But, uh, other than that, uh, I can't think of any, Hmm. Any other clowns that really scare. I'm not one of those guys that's, uh, scared of clowns. That's a stupid thing to be afraid of. Because even if they're, uh, you know, murderous, scary clowns or whatever, uh, they've got big floppy shoes on and uh, they're, they're, you know, they're covered in makeup and it's kind of, those suits are hard to run in. They're, they're really nothing to fear. So don't be afraid of clowns and keep on listening to the Grindhouse podcast, even when one of our hosts is in Australia and the other one is uh, here in Texas just trying to keep it together. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and I thank you for listening until next time. I have been Matt and you have been the audience that is going to sleep in the goddamn mud, take cold showers and scratch beautiful portraits into planks of wood with nails until you make it because you are artists and you love it. 
You're listening to the Grindhouse Podcast on the Aspects of Being an Artist Network. Please follow us on Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast and listen to us every Monday on iTunes, SoundCloud and now on Spotify.